Hi there, and welcome to this episode of the Love to Tell the Story podcast. I'm Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire. You know, it seems to me, friends, that it has taken a whole lot of courage for all of you, and for me that matter, to have come here tonight. Not so much coming to church, mind you, especially given that, once again, we have been coming here remotely. I mean that we've entered into this place for the purpose of worship, at least for most of us, as as a matter of tradition and faith, something, dare I say it, even commonplace in our life together. Aside from the fact that it's happening on Thursday night rather than on Sunday morning, and then a little later than usual on a Thursday night, In some ways, our being here right now is no different than any of the other times that we gather together. (laughs) Except that it is different, isn't it? It's different because it's Monday, Thursday, and for us to be here tonight to worship and pray and hear God's word when what's being remembered here is how everything, everything For Jesus is unraveling and and how everything tonight leads inescapably to the agony of the cross. Well, that's not only to use the word that I used on Sunday, unsettling. It's also terrifying. But not merely because of the graphic and unrelenting nature of the passion story. But also and perhaps primarily because our time of worship proceeds tonight, and before it is done, we will have been forced to face our own culpability in it all. Back in seminary, I was taught that the task of preaching, and by extension, our study and interpretation of Holy Scripture, was all about, quote, bringing the there and then of the Bible to the here and now. Unquote. Opening up the truth of these ancient texts so that they will become as truth to us today, that it might be something personal for us. Well, part of that process involves finding for ourselves the, the people and the events in Scripture with which each one of us identifies. Are we, for instance, the prodigal son, the the elder brother, or the forgiving father? Do we see ourselves uh, as more of a Mary or more of a Martha? And how often is it that we find ourselves becoming a bit more of a Pharisee than we really like to be? See, that's the trouble, if I might call it that, of our text for this evening that there's all too many people in situations that will hit us too close to home. And that's not at all a good thing. We ask ourselves as we hear this old and familiar story, would we be like those disciples at the Last Supper, so quick to deny that we'd ever betray Jesus, only to scatter at the first sign of trouble? For that matter, could we have managed to to stay awake for even one hour to be with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane on that dark night of the soul he was facing? Or is the truth of it all 
that we would have all too easily fallen asleep. Would we have been tempted to join in with the mob as they shouted out to crucify Jesus, as they said, crucify him, crucify him? Or would we surely have done something, anything, to save Jesus? And then there's Peter. Friends, in all honesty, I think that of all the people in the Passion story, the one with whom I identify the most is Peter. Good old, bold, and impulsive Peter. Peter, the first of the disciples to declare that Jesus is the Christ. The one who, who when Jesus foretells his crucifixion, immediately says, oh, no, Jesus, that's not going to happen to you. We are not going to let that happen to you. Peter, the one who figured that if Jesus were involved, he could also walk on water and, by the way, did just that. That is, for a couple of steps before he got scared and sank. Peter, whose name means the rock, the one on whom the church would be built, the disciple of Jesus who proclaimed with everything he was on that Passover night that he was ready to go with Jesus to prison and to death. And yet, before the night was done, ended up denying he even knew Jesus. Not once, not once, not just once, but a second and a third time, just as Jesus had predicted. Enthusiastic, bold, heroic, one who leads with a heart filled with faith and true discipleship, even if the way ahead is not what it seems to be, even to the point of charging him with a sword of all things at the moment of Jesus' arrest. I don't know about you, but that's the Peter I want to identify with. But then again, there's the Peter who, as he's warming himself around a courtyard in the wee hours of that fateful night, insists to a servant girl who was asking that he doesn't even know this man, Jesus. I don't know if this has happened to you, but I have to wonder, is this the same Peter? It is. And the worst part of all, remember how I said earlier that Peter is the character in this story with whom I identify the most? Well, that's why. Craig Barnes of Princeton Seminary actually puts forth a very interesting theory that it's not so much that Peter denied Jesus three times, after all, for him simply out of fear to naysay everything he'd known to be true about Jesus. That, that wasn't Peter's style. Peter's no coward. We know that for sure. Rather, Barnes says, it seems to be that in the midst of Maundy Thursday darkness, Peter, well, ends up telling the truth. And the truth is, at that moment, is that he's not really a disciple. Because to be a disciple, Barnes writes, means to follow Jesus. And once Peter has seen where Jesus is headed, he's not a disciple. He's not following Jesus. Instead, he is staying out with the very people who captured Jesus because, well, that's where he belongs. And now that the cross is in sight, no, he's not a disciple. We always think of this as Peter's great denial. 
But it really does seem that more than likely this is Peter finally, finally telling the truth about himself. And friends, if that is true for Peter, well, why wouldn't that be true for you or for me? See what I mean about the courage it takes to be here tonight? Do you see how Jesus going to the cross ends up saying everything about who we are? And how coming to this table and to the cross has a way of forcing us to confront the truth? While I was in college, I worked as a managing editor for our student newspaper, the main campus, and which was an interesting experience. For a while, most of my classmates on the newspaper staff were focused on becoming newspaper reporters or TV news anchors. I was wholly devoted on my call to the Christian ministry and with my plan to go to seminary after college. This was something that, that little by little had come to be common knowledge amongst my classmates. And, and as such, I had become in that newspaper office, the resident Christian slash pastor on staff. Truthfully, I never really thought too much about it until one day when the editor-in-chief of that paper, a young man who, interestingly enough, ended up as a member of a church I served 20 years later, said to me, you know, I like you. You're not a zealot. Now, at first, I, I kind of liked the sound of that. It was, for me, a clear affirmation that I could be regarded as a regular guy, not merely some holier-than-thou religious guy, which, when you're 21 and a journalism major, seemed at least to be something of a positive. But i got to tell you this, that a great many times over the years, I've thought back on what that editor said to me and I realized that his comment that I wasn't a zealot might not have been such a great thing after all. Because you see, Jesus, though not a zealot in the socio-political historical sense of the word, in that he was not a violent revolutionary or a fanatical ideologue, he was nonetheless zealous for the kingdom of God, wasn't he? Zealous for love and forgiveness. Zealous for peace that the world could neither give nor take away. Zealous about justice. And zealous about going to the cross and doing it for us. Zealous for our having life abundant and eternal. Zealous for sending forth his disciples then and now on a great commission to spread the good news and make disciples of all nations. Seems to me, friends, that the question for me and for us all is, it always is, can we be courageous enough to be as zealous about our faith and about our discipleship as Jesus was about his mission? Can it be said that we are his disciples? Even now, even tonight, as we witness Jesus going to the cross and us with him. Or not? Are we content to remain regular people, so to speak? The kind of people who cannot truly be his disciples once the cross is in sight?
That is something for us to consider as we go now to that fateful Last Supper. Thanks be to God. And that brings us to the close of this episode of the Love to Tell the Story podcast. I'm Michael Lowry, and I thank you for listening today. And until next time, stay safe, be well, and may God bless you with a great day every day. We'll talk to you soon.